Live from the studios of KTAR News 92.3 FM, it's the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show with Brian Whitfield. Everything you need to know to grow. Call Brian with your questions at 602-277-5827. That's 602-277-5827. The Whitfield Nursery Garden Show, now on KTAR News 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. Well, Julia, looks like they all woke up. We better start answering these phone lines that you put on here during the break. And we'll get right to the phones. As one's gone, one's open, folks, and we'll get to you as soon as we can. Number to call is one's open, 602-277-5827. It's Julia and Brian with John Roller here in the news every Sunday morning from 7 to 9 on the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show. Edward and Mesa, good morning, Ed. Good morning. Hey, got a couple questions for you, Brian. I am redoing my backyard and I have a west-facing wall that I'd like to put a, something in there that would be kind of like a sound barrier mm-hmm. and green and still remain clean. <laughs> You're asking a lot. Uh, how tall you want it to grow, Ed? Uh, it doesn't need to be big. I mean, what? it's a six-foot wall, so seven or eight feet it would probably be fine. Well, the traditional thing would be sour orange in East Mesa. Okay, that's a pretty common sour orange hedge out there. And it's dense and it's green and it's going to have, you know, some flowers and it can have fruit. But if you keep it hedged back, it's really fairly clean. Uh, another thing that you can do that's more drought tolerance, you can use olive trees for a hedge. And you can put olives in and you can hedge those up to about eight feet, keep them tall and cut and gray. And they'll take less water than citrus. And then what's being grown and used a lot right now are um, ficus trees. And those you're going to have to, you know, do more maintenance on to keep them down to a shorter size or the hop seed bushes. But uh, so that's four pretty good options and they'll all work. And it's kind of a matter of which one you like better. Okay. Uh, Secondly, I have a north facing wall that uh, I want to put something in and I'd like some color out there, but it can be variation i mean i i don't know i can have some small plants or something higher i just know what i don't know what to put out there that would maintain the heat you know withstand the heat of the wall so is this on the south side of the wall it's on the north side of the wall okay the north side of the wall is going to be a little trickier you know the north side of the wall doesn't get a lot of direct sun until the middle of the summertime and so we're going to have to usually, if we want to have color, you know, plant a little little further away from the wall so our plants aren't shaded, you know, for 10 months a year. So we'll plant a little bit further out. And uh, if you get a little further out, it's just kind of a matter, you know, what kind of things you want to grow for color. Um, how how large a plants are you looking for, Ed? Uh, they don't need to be large. I don't care about their – I'm more aesthetic value than, you know – Usefulness. Yeah, so then it's kind of just picking out, picking a theme and picking out the kind of things that you like to do. I mean, there's everything from growing roses, which are easy, like iceberg or like a hedging type rose, which is very easy to grow. And uh, you, if you keep them out a couple feet away from the wall, they'll do really well. Uh, there's so many popular desert shrubs now, all the different types of yellow bells, whether they be orange jubilees or little sparkies. There's all different kinds of yellow bells that are real popular. A historical plant that would be used there a lot would be Cape honeysuckle. 
that has an orange trumpet flower, and it's probably the hummingbird's very favorite plant here in the spring and the fall. So you have a lot of options. Um, you know, it's just a matter of picking out the texture and the size things you want to go. And there's a lot of different styles. I mean, there's there's the sages, which, you know, you can prune, and there's big sages like the, the green cloud sage, which can grow six or eight feet, and there's small ones, you know, and a little heavenly cow, cloud and chihuahua sages. So there's an awful lot of options. Um, you know, that's, that's one where I just invite you kind of out to the nursery, and you can look at a lot of different things. And uh, we have a, a very good staff out in our East Valley store out there that can be uh, friendly and helpful, and they, they can show you the difference of textures and size, and you can pick out the ones you enjoy. Okay, great. Thank you so much. Thanks, Ed. Bye-bye. Uh, we have Ed again in Tempe. Hello, Ed. Hey, Brian. You know, I've been trying to catch you at one of your stores, and I found I need a jetpack to sell. <laughs> well, this time of year, I, I got to tell you, for the next couple weeks, I'm going to be at a lot of different places fast. And uh, I think this afternoon I'll be over at our nursery at Glendale Avenue. Um, but the one on Southern, I might, I, I need to kind of run down there for a few minutes, but I won't be there very long. But. Um, I'm definitely catchable, but I know the first part of this week I've got to go out to the farms and check on citrus stuff, too. So, No, I I know you're busy, guys. Hey, listen, I I got hit with a question. I'm going to pass it on to you. You know, we're going to go go to the history wayback machine. You know, I had somebody ask me, hey, what can I find uh, harvested uh, Kino tangerines and Algerian tangerines? I, can't, I I couldn't give an answer. I don't know. Well, you know, down in South Phoenix now, the, the Kinos are. Uh, I think she still got some Kinos, but uh, you know, they have them at the little fruit stand there on uh, Baseline and Twenty Sixth Street. Oh it's, yeah, it's yeah, yeah, summer's sure. fruit stand. She'll have them. Yeah, and uh, you know, oh. and I'm sure there's some of the fruit stands in the East Valley that work hard to get them. Uh, Kenals, you know, they, they don't peel that easy after they've been harvested from the tree, but boy, they are the most delicious fruit to juice of all. And Algerian oh, yeah. tangerine was my favorite. We only had two trees, and none of them ever made it to the fruit stand because I ate them all. Um, okay. But, you know, they're seedy and easy to peel. But, you know, there's so many new varieties out there now that those yeah. two have kind of fallen by the wayside. And, but they're both still very good and still some of my favorites. Are they are they grown the kinos are they grown here in Arizona or are they coming from California? Well, they're not grown. No, they're all grown here in Arizona. You're not gonna, but they, oh, good. but you don't find them at the grocery store. What's happened is this uh-huh. whole cutie thing with a bunch of different mandarins have taken over, yeah. and they're marketed by the big citrus growers. You know the the sun kissed and and the you know, Paramounts and all those world. You know, and uh, and they grow thousands of acres of them in California. But yes. uh, you know, but here if you want to grow one for your yard, what I would really recommend is a tango mandarin, and these. Have become more popular than our old varieties, and a lot of it's just because they don't have any seeds. But flavor-wise, an Algerian and a Kenal, gosh, they got to be two of my favorite fruits. Yes, they are. Well, thank you very much, guy. I finally got to talk to you, and this again, your your I thought your people were, were you know uh, holding out and uh, keeping you. Uh, like co-workly. No, no, I, I I take all phone calls just like on the air here, and, and I try to get around and be friendly. I just got it. Just you know, it's spring, and we ran that long citrus season with all of our harvest. And yeah. We finally got that wrapped up, and now I've got to get my nursery hat on, and we have a lot of work to do. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, thanks, Ed. Well, Brent, you take care. Stay healthy. No, do bye bye. Let's see, Tom and Scott still. Hello, Tom. Good morning, Brian. Good morning, Tom. Thanks for taking my call. Yeah, can you hear me? Very well, sir. 
Yeah, okay. Um, we have a uh, one of these raised planters that's on wheels, like a cart, and um, wanted to plant a few things in there for the grandkids. Mm-hmm. Uh, what variety of strawberries do do well in it? Well, if you're going to plant strawberries, Tom, what you really want to do is plant those in the fall. Okay. Yeah. So you're better off with strawberries yeah. plant, but you know this time of year, tomatoes and peppers, and you know for kids, it's hard to beat cherry tomatoes because you just pop them right off the vine and eat them. You don't have to do anything else with them, and and they're prolific and they're going to be very reliable. So I think that would be my number one choice of any plant to put into a garden. The other thing that would be really fun to hang off a garden like that would be a watermelon or or any other type of a melon where you could grow it and it would kind of grow off the side of the cart and then grow down and run across the ground. And you could plant, you know, a melon of some type in a corner, you know, and that could be a lot of fun as well. Um, okay. You know, and then there's a lot of other things. But, but strawberries are great, but the time to plant, you know, you could plant them right now. You could come by a few strawberry plants and plant them, and, and you could get a little bit of a crop out before, you know, the end of May. But uh, if you really want to grow strawberries, the time to plant them is in the fall. And is there a preferred variety of strawberry for this area? Oh, there, there's lots of different ones. Um, you know, I just can't tell you right offhand the best anymore. But um, if you, you can call the nursery, I'll tell you who grows strawberries is Gabriel over at our nursery in Gilbert. And he's got okay. some favorites. He has some grandkids that he grows them with and really enjoys doing them. And uh, so Gabe, Gabe's a good guy to talk to. Although he's probably got the most experience of our group. Or, you know, I always refer to those master gardeners there with the extension service because there's a lot of people growing a lot of different things. And, and, you know, you've got the advantage dealing with the extension service of a lot of people's experience trying different varieties all the time. So when it comes to something like a strawberry, they might have a new variety that they're having the most luck with. And with the cherry tomatoes, um, you know, in this kind of like way cart, Mm-hmm. Um, do they have to be staked, or can they just kind of cascade? No, you can over? let them cascade over the side. That'll make them easy to pick and, and pretty to look at, you know. And, and just the little sweet 100s do really well. Yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. Well, thank you very much. Thanks, Tom. Bye-bye. Okay. Uh, let's see. Next up, we have Kathy and Chandler. But first, we have to take a short break. And then we'll be back with the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show. we got Kathy and then Dave, and then it could be you. The number to call, 602-277-5827. 277-KTAR. It's Julia and Brian here every Sunday morning from 7 to 9 with the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show on 92.3 FM, KTAR. Hand in the hand of the man you're down to see. 
Welcome back, folks, to this beautiful Sunday morning. Uh, looks like the one line open. The number to call, 602-277-5827. Give Julia a call here at the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show. Kathy and Chandler, good morning. Good morning. have a really silly question. I have lantana, two lantanas that are the purple spreading guys. Mm-hmm. And now I see that, I mean, they've been absolutely beautiful all until just this last week. And I'm seeing that they're like looking like they're wanting to die. And should I trim them off when they're all dead? What do I do with well, them? Well, you, you can prune them back right now and they should start to really pop back with this weather. Uh, but it might be that their flower cycle is going completely away. So just shear them all back and give them a light shot of fertilizer and uh, check and make sure they're getting water. They should be fine. They should come back. This is great lantana weather. Oh, okay. Because all my other lantanas are just absolutely... You know, well, but 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 they're a lot different. See, the lantana monovensis is the purple ones and the white ones. They're a different variety of lant- lantana, so they can have a different cycle than the, you know because yeah. there's, there's the bush lantanas and then there's the spreading lantanas and then the trailing lantanas. But the purple and whites are pretty closely related. But the other ones, a lot of them are different, and the cycle on the flowers and things could certainly be different than other varieties. Okay. So I can just trim them. Just, yeah, just just prune them back. Not, it shouldn't be a problem. Prune them back. Do I? How how hard do I prune them back? Just well, it depends. It depends on you know how long you want to wait for them to come back out and if they need to be pruned. You know, um, so what a lot of people do on commercial properties, Kathy, is they'll go through and they'll prune half their lantanas one month and half the other. That way, they keep, especially with the gold ones, they keep them in bloom all the time. Oh, so it puts them into a different okay. cycle. Okay, so I can just kind of clean up where it looks like they're. You could you can prune them all back. It's and... not yeah, it's not going to hurt them this time of year at all. Okay. Okay. Super. Thank you. Thank you much. Bye bye. Bye. Uh, Dave in Phoenix. Good morning, Dave. Good morning. You hear me? All right. Very clear, sir. Uh, we have five citrus, and we had uh, very good as far as how much fruit we had. Uh, just aside from my main question, we have one of those older type um, <clears throat> tangerines, mm-hmm. and I agree, they're a little bit seedy, but they are the best as far as uh, the flavor. And the tree is so prolific. It was great this year. But the question is, all the fruit was smaller than a typical year, mm-hmm. particularly the California, I mean, uh, Arizona sweets, which is our favorite, which are just na- right now at their peak as far as harvest. But they're all small. Could you tell me what are the main factors on getting small fruit versus large fruit? Is well, it? Well, it's the climate, Dave, and it's also how much fruit load you have, you know? Like how we, much what? How much fruit's on the tree. You know, we had some lemons this year in one of our groves out in East Mesa that uh, it was an unbelievable crop. And it was great for us because that whole crop in that particular block, we call it block eight, and that we were, I mean, they were loaded. It was as full as they could be. But all the fruit was smaller because they had so much fruit on there. And that's what's going to happen with, with your fruit load. With the more fruit you have on a tree, then the smaller the fruit's going to be on average. And okay. so when you have a real heavy crop, that's how it's going to be. And then it also has something to do with, with the weather and how warm it was like in November and in different things yeah. and how much it grows and, and then how much you fertilize and care for it. But when a tree's really loaded, like an Arizona sweet can be or a lemon 
tree can be, or almost any citrus for that matter. You know, typically when you have a lot of fruit, it's going to be small. All right. Uh, I thought it was maybe because I fertilized late. It was probably... Uh Oh, probably nearly the 1st of March before we got the fertilizer on those. No, that's, that's not going to make that big a difference. And, you know, all right. a regular, you know, healthy trees is, is a healthy tree. And, yeah. uh, if you, well, these are all mature, healthy trees. Sure. I have uh, five. Well, I have six now because I got a lemon from you last year. And, in fact, I called you once to ask you about pruning it because I wanted to, I don't want it to get tall. Well, you can prune all a right, lemon thank every Thank you very much for your help. We listen to your program for a an hour or so every Sunday. Thank you. Well, Dave, thanks for being part of it. Bye-bye. Uh, Hector in Sun City. Good morning, Hector. Good morning, sir. Uh, question for you. Um, my neighbor has a um, sage hedge, and it's about six foot tall and about five foot wide. She wants to cut it down to the side of the planter area, which is taking about three feet off the top and two feet off the side. Mm-hmm. Uh, would that hurt at this time of year to go that that, that butchering? I guess you would say not at all, Dave. I'll tell you what, though, if we, when you're pruning it, as long as you leave some foliage on the plant so it can come back in and fill back in, it'll come back fast. Okay, and you can cut sages back as much as you want to. I wouldn't cut it back all the way to it's just bare wood, or I would do it basically in two cuttings. So if you have to cut it back and you want to take it back small enough to where you wouldn't leave any foliage on it. Prune the top or the side first, let the other one butt out, and then prune the other side of it. And uh, But aside from that, you can reduce their side as dramatically as you like to. Oh, okay. Well, that'll be great then. I appreciate that, sir. Thanks, Hector. Bye-bye. Yes, sir. Bye-bye. Uh, let's see next. We have Ron and Gilbert. Good morning, Ron. Hey, how you doing? Listen, uh, I, have, uh, I have two trees, two fruit trees, one le- lime and one orange, and they're both dwarfs. Um, we've been here for well, they're a little over two years old, and the lime will produce fruit. Um, it's about half the size of the dwarf orange. The orange tree just seems to be growing straight up and straight out, and uh, we had one piece of fruit on it the very first year, and unfortunately it got cut off by mistake, um, but nothing since then. Uh, and they're not supposed to, I, apparently they don't need to be pollinated. They're self-pollinating, I guess, is what the uh, what they said. Um, is there anything I can spur this thing Ron, along? Well, to, how tall are they now, Ron? Well, the orange tree is about 15 feet tall. It's pretty pretty good size. The lime tree is half that, um, uh, and the lime tree is the only one that's producing any type of fruit. Okay. Um, um, so let me let me ask you this, Ron. If you go look at the leaves on what you think is an orange, okay, that, that we probably can't do this while we're on the air, but go out and look at it and see if it has like a second node on it, or if it just it has the same kind of a shape leaf like the lime tree does. I'm kind um, of. I'm sta- yeah. Are you standing? I'm standing by? right okay. next to it. I'm standing right okay. next to it. Does it have a smooth? They, they, does it have a smooth edge on the outside of the leaf of the orange? Or yep. is it kind of jagged a little bit? Nope, they're smooth. Okay, uh, and it has like and it has like a little look. second node on the back of the leaf. Um, I, so it's not like a one part leaf. It's kind of like a two part leaf. No, they they're all one part leaves. They come right off the, each branch. 
uh, individually. Um, well, I'm talking tree. about the leaf, the leaf itself, though. Yeah, but so the, the leaf when it comes out doesn't have like a little stem that's got like a little bulge around it, and then a secondary portion of the leaf. No, okay. I don't see that. I, uh, okay. like said, well, I, it's I think, all Greek to me. I, I'm afraid yeah. what you might have is you might have a Volca Mariana rootstock growing up and cinnamon orange tree. And it was uh-huh. you know, kind of sold as wrong. So I'll tell you what I want you to do. If you want to um, go ahead and uh, I'm going to get your phone number down to, uh, from Julia. And then I'll get a picture okay. from you and I'll take a look at it and kind of give you an idea. But I'm really fearful if it's gotten that big and it was supposed to be a dwarf that it never was a dwarf. And then it's a Volca Mariana rootstock, which doesn't fruit very young, but has a real big rough lemon on it. And that's why I kind of need to get a picture of the leaf from you. But I'm going to put you on hold. Yeah. Julia's going to get your number off the air, okay? Uh, uh, great. I appreciate it. Hold on. And, Teresa, you'll be up next in the next hour because John Roller just snuck in here. You know, and it's going to be news time, and you'll be up next. And after Teresa, we have uh, three open lines. The number to call, 602-277-5827, 277-KTR. It's Julia and Brian and John here with the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show and the news every Sunday morning on 92.3 FM, KTAR. Stop crying, it will be alright Just take my hand, hold it tight I will protect you from all around you I will be here, don't you cry Oh, I'm so small, you seem so strong My arms will hold you, keep you safe and warm Bond between us can't be broken. I will be here, don't you cry? Cause you'll be in my heart. Yes, you'll be in my heart. Welcome back, folks. A wonderful song. We got Julia on the phone with someone. So, but that was Julia's song of the week. I'll get right to the phones. We got Teresa and Glendale up next, and uh, number to call six zero two two seven seven five eight two seven. Good morning, Teresa. Good morning. I 
called you a couple of weeks ago. My mature lemon tree had just had top fallen over, and I had um, an arborist come over, and they said it looked like it had some kind of like a fungal infection, and I think the people that watered it before me had a lot of standing water to where it just uh, it couldn't hold up anymore. So um, it had rotted all the way down, so I'm going to have to have, I guess, that stump removed. But I wanted to replace it with something sort of colorful, and I was thinking of a kumquat. How do those grow? I'm in northern, like, off of, like, 35th Avenue in Deer Valley, and it would have direct sunlight. Is that something that wouldn't be sustainable? Well, Teresa, it's going to be a lot smaller tree. Uh, kumquats cum- cum- can do very well here. There's lots of varieties. There's miwas and nagames are the two common ones. And the miwas are very tasty. It's one of my favorite little fruits. But they're a lot smaller tree in proportion to your lemon. I'll tell you something fun you could do, though, that would be kind of a combination of both. You could plant a lime quat. And a lime quad is a cross. Well, it's it's cross between a lime, but it's but it's um, in a in a in some kind of like a kumquat fruit. But it's a wonderful fruit that produces almost year round. And uh, like over at our nursery on Glendale Avenue, you can go by. I think there's there's enough fruit on them you could taste them before you bought one. But if you wanted a, a kind of a smaller tree, but you wanted something kind of fun like the kumquat, and you want to have fruit almost year round, a lime quat's pretty hard to beat. Yeah, I was trying to find something that had maybe some color because it's right out of my front window. And when I work from home, I, I look at it. I was looking for something that wouldn't get more than maybe, you know, 10 or 15 feet tall. I don't need it to be really tall. Just, you know, at least like 10 feet would be the highest I would be fine with. Well, my mother has one in front of her home that's uh, been there for over 20 years. She keeps it about 10 feet. And it has yellow fruit on it, I would say on average, probably nine months a year. So for a citrus, it's going to be pretty that way. It would be really pretty. Uh, If you happen to like calamandrins, um, or calamuncies, some people call them. But that's more to cook with and do different things. It's a beautiful citrus tree, but it's a really tart little fruit. Yeah, I was looking for something that would be pretty because I liked the green and the yellow. So I was thinking green and orange or, you know, something well, that's green all year and would have fruit sometime. I would. And re- would be okay with direct sunlight, you know. Yeah, I, I would really look at a lime quad. I mean, a lime quad. A lime quad. It's okay. going to have it's going to have more fruit consistently in color than any other citrus, and um, all right, you know, and it's going to be they're yeah. wonderful little fruits. You could you could either bite them the whole thing. They're kind of a tangy, you know, sweet thing. You could cut them up and cook with them. You can make juice with them. You can put them in all kinds of drinks. Like you know, I always add a slice of lemon to water. You chop these up and add them to water the same way, and they're fantastic. To- and to plant it this time of year, what gallon size should I get to start with? Well, you know, you know pro- it's gonna... probably at least a 15-gallon or 24. A 15? Okay. All right. So I'll look at those. Thank you so much. Thanks, Teresa. Bye-bye. All right. Thanks. Bye. Oh, let's see. Next up, we've got Stan over in Queen Creek. But after Stan, we've got four open lines. The end of the program. It's amazing. Give Julia a call at 602-277-5827. Good morning, Stan. Hey, good morning to you, buddy. I got some. I need some advice on pruning oleanders. Okay, they've been in the ground. They've been in the ground about fifteen years. Mm-hmm. They got a beautiful canopy, but it's it's so tall, it's unruly. Okay, I'm thinking about I'm thinking about pruning them back to a couple feet above the fence, mm-hmm. six foot fence. But that's going to leave me with nothing but stalks and stems down here at the bottom. How aggressive can I be here? 
perfect time of year to be aggressive, Stan. One thing with oleanders, I check and make sure you don't have any that look sick in there. And if you do, you'd want to, you know, you want to clean your pruning tools from plant to plant. But if they all look healthy, if they all look uniform, you can't hurt them by pruning them. So if you want to prune them back to three feet tall and taper them so they're wider at the base, so they'll grow back in taller and fuller by the wall. And if you wanted to keep them at a height of six to eight feet, you'd probably want to prune them back to four feet. Well, that's good to know. So I can just take my heavy-duty pruning shears and just prune away. Yeah. Top. Uh huh. <laughs> All right, pal. You've answered it. Thanks, Thanks Dan. Bye bye. You too. Uh, Larry and Mesa. Good morning, Larry. Yeah, well, I've got problems with curly top. Is there anything I can do about it? Uh, throw them away and plant over. <laughs> you mean on tomatoes, right? Yeah, tomatoes yeah. and uh, green, green peppers. Yeah, I mean it's you're going to have to just restart it. it. Once it's inside the plant, you're not going to you're not going to alleviate it. So, so does it stay in the soil? Is it, is it bugs or what is it? No, it's like a virus that the plant has. But uh, you know, I, I would just take them all out and, and replant. And it, so might, it might not be bad to solarize that area this year and plant in a new area for you know for this year. You have them in the ground, Larry. Or you have them in containers. Wow! Well, now the ones I have in the containers in my bathroom are like ten feet tall. <laughs> The ones out in the garden are the problem. So, yeah. okay, I have a, I have what I think they call a lavender star flower. Uh-huh. Yeah, and, and when you prune on that, you end up with like big empty holes. Well, but it should fill back in, especially if you prune it. You know, this is a good time of year to prune it pretty heavy on a lavender star flower, and it should well, fill back in. But you got to maybe prune it back even further to, to fill the holes in. Yeah, it's starting to grow over my neighbor's walkway, and uh, they need to cut it back a couple feet. But it's like all the vegetation, all the leaves are on the outside of the plant. Well, but you can cut it back to wood. Now, here's the the trick. If you want to come back faster, you know, cut it back 80% of the plant where you want it to be. Leave some foliage on it. Let that wood pop back out. Once the wood pops out, then you can cut the rest of it all the way back. Uh, okay, and do I have to worry about uh, sunburn with uh, honeysuckle? With cape honeysuckle? You know, not if you prune yeah. them this time of year. Okay, so I still, I still can prune on them and yeah. be okay. Just for the next few weeks. I mean, you don't want to be pruning them back heavy in the summer. They will burn back severely. <laughs> okay, I need to work on a water line, so I might have to cut the one way back. So. Okay, well, well, thank you. Yeah, now's the perfect time, Larry. Take care. Bye-bye. Yeah, okay, bye uh, let's see. Next up, we've got John over in Chandler. Good morning, John. Hey, Brian. I've got a couple questions for you. Um, I've got kind of a change in plans here. I was getting ready to kill all my uh, uh, overseeded uh, rye grass, but uh, my daughter would like to have a, a party, so I need to keep it nice and green. Okay. What's the best way to uh, keep that uh, keep that growing? Do I need to fertilize John, it? John, when, yeah, when, when's her party? Uh, first week of May. Okay, perfect. So you want to fertilize it, uh, you know, probably in the next week or so with some twenty one seven fourteen lawn fertilizer. Okay, I would mow it a little shorter than you've been mowing it right now, and uh, okay. you know, or, or probably in about a week or so. And uh, in fact, you don't really need to fertilize it quite yet. The nice part about twenty one seven fourteen is it's usually made with ammonium nitrate and urea, so it's, it's released pretty fast. And, and with that type of fertilizer, you know, it'll take a ryegrass lawn from kind of yellow to dark green in about a week or so. 
So, okay. you know, you're a little, little early now for the first week of May. Just just maintain it. You might go ahead and feed it now and then feed it again in about three weeks. And, uh, you know, keep it on a regular watering cycle. You know, and for an established lawn that's, you know, been ryegrass all winter, probably watered a half inch of water once a week. This time of year's plenty. And then you really want to push it about a week and a half before the uh, the party and uh, cut it a little shorter, fertilize it again, and uh, you should have a beautiful lawn for the party in May. Okay, great. Um, my second question is I have a large Palo Verde tree, and right now it's starting to bloom. Uh-huh. Uh, but every year we have the issue with the worms and the droppings. So I started spraying it with the BT. Uh-huh. Um, do you know what the best time to spray that to catch the worms early or to well, get them? Yeah, it'll last on there unless we get a rain. Okay, so okay. You, you really kind of have to watch because you don't want to put it on too early, and, and we have a chance of some rain a week after next. So, uh, and, it, and it's been such a different cycle this year because our weather's been warm and cool and warm and cool. So the flowering cycles and things aren't just you know bang determinate; they're kind of spread out more. So you really have to watch, and then you want to hit it right away. Um, but when you see the first worm, the time to spray, and because it's got to be on there for them to actively feed on. And if mm-hmm. we're going to have a rain, it's going to wash it off. Off. But um, you want to be on, you know, just before you see the first one. And and it works fast. I mean, the thing about it is they're, they're not going to proceed and eat the whole plant up, you know, before the BT works. It's not something that there's kind of much of a long cycle. But you have to have it on okay. there before they start feeding. So it really just takes it, you know. It's like when we're spraying for thrip on our citrus. We spray once a year. And we go out and check the trees like every couple days. And it's just, you know, you can have one windy day and the flowers fall. And that's when we have to spray for thrip. So it's just a matter you really kind of have to watch so so does the tree need to start leafing out before yes the tree's going to leaf out before what what they're feeding on is the brand new foliage you know just like on grapevines and and everything else so they're coming out and feeding on that happy new foliage and it usually is the foliage is out a week or two before they come out and you can't the spray does no good spraying it on the wood because they're not going to feed the wood so the foliage Mm -hmm. has to come out first okay okay and then you have to spray it just before the caterpillars come and party on the foliage got it okay great Thank you very much. Thanks, John. Bye-bye. We're going to take a short break. We're going to come back with Dan in Litchfield, Brian in Mesa. Then we've got a couple open lines. The number to call is 602-277-5827-277-KTAR.
back, folks, to this beautiful Sunday morning and this fortunate place we are to be here in this wonderful country. I want to take a minute to invite you out to Whitfields. You know, Whitfields, we grow trees. It started with my grandparents back in the 40s and continuing on today for four generations. If you need trees, any kind, any size, come out and see us. From 15 gallons through big 72-inch box, from palm trees to pine trees to beautiful, you know, fruitless olive trees like Swan Hill, mesquite trays like the American mesquite, which is pretty darn strong, four-way hybrid. Whatever your dreams are, whether you need one tree for your backyard or a thousand for development, come out and see us. Our original store is at 824 East Glendale. We're in the East Valley at Cooper, which is the same as Stapley and Guadalupe. Or 2647 East Southern Avenue, Southern Avenue, straight south of the Sky Harbor Airport. And uh, we have a big tree farm in Stanfield, about a half mile south of Interstate 8 on Stanfield Road. We're open Monday through Saturdays, 8 to 530, Sundays 10 to 4, except not down at the farm in Stanfield. Come out and see us, and uh, we can deliver, plant, and guarantee whatever your dreams are for that perfect garden. Would love to work with you. Uh, back to the phones. Looks like next up we have Dan in Litchfield. Hi, Dan. Good morning. Yes, sir. I just had a quick. I just had a quick question. I've got a uh, cherry tomato plant that's in a pot on the east side of my house, and the leaves on it are starting to turn yellow at the bottom. Well, yellow at the bottom and shedding on the inside of the plant is normal as tomatoes grow, Dan. Um, if it's getting a lot larger, so dropping leaves on the inside and the bottom is pretty normal. Those leaves really aren't photosynthesizing and feeding the plant very much anymore. With tomatoes, you can always clean up the bottom of the plant. You just never want to prune the growing end of the plant. And uh, if you go look at the hydroponic plants, they're 15 foot long hanging by strings from the ceiling. And that's how they grow them. So I wouldn't be concerned on the lower portion of the plant as long as the new growth in the top is happy. Got it. All right. Thank you very much. Thanks, Dan. Bye-bye. Uh, let's see. Next up, Brian over in Mesa. Good morning, Brian. Good morning. I appreciate your show. Love your show. Uh, quick, Two quick questions. One, um, my wife just planted about a four-foot-tall orange tree in our yard, and I wanted to know uh, how much watering we need to do on that and, how, and if we should fertilize it at this point. And the second question is, a couple years ago, we had a raised garden, and we planted some tomatoes, and we didn't get any output of tomatoes on those plants. It was summertime. It's so darn hot. And I'm wondering if we should – they're going to get a lot of direct sunlight. I'm wondering if we should put some kind of shade on those. Well, Brian, for the tomatoes, this time of year, they prefer the sun. You know, you're going to get more of a crop and have better tomatoes if you have them in the sun. You can shade them later on. You know, you can shade them like the 1st of June and give them a, especially a light shade, like a 20% shade or partial okay. shade. But they really will perform better and bloom better in the sun than they will in, in the shade this time of year. Okay. And so the, awesome. other, the other thing with tomatoes, you don't want to make them too vegetable. Don't fertilize them too much and make sure they get dry between waterings. On your young citrus tree, wrap the trunk so that it's protected from the sun. Okay. Make sure it's deep watered about once a week. And for a young tree to be its best, you'd fertilize it lightly once a month. Okay, and the, uh, do you recommend a particular fertilizer that I can buy at your store? Uh, Organo Pro Citrus Foods, very good. Any other kind of balanced fertilizer will work fine, too. 20, 20, 20, 10, 10, 10. Miracle will be fine. Okay, uh, Organic Pro. Thank you so much. Appreciate Thanks, Brian. It. Bye-bye. Uh, let's see. Just a reminder to everyone, whenever you're on the air, if you'll turn your radio down, uh, then we won't hear the feedback. Uh, Richard and Phoenix, good morning. Good morning, Brian. Um, I'm looking to put a vining plant on the uh, east side of a west wall, backyard faces south. And I saw something called a Pandora Bower vine, number one view. 
That would be yes, we do. The bower vine would be a beautiful plant there. That would be a great exposure for bower vine. It is okay. Mm-hmm. Versus a west exposure. Well, you said it's the east side of a west wall, right? I know, but I'm looking for something for the west side of a... Oh, the west the side of the wall. Side. Okay. The west side is going to be a little hotter. Um, I've seen bower vine grow on the west side, but that's going to be a little tough for it. So, you know, what takes the heat the best is a bougainvillea. But, aside, but the bower yeah, vine is going to do well on the east side of that west wall. It'll do wall. Very, very well on the east side of a west wall. Okay, and then just two other questions. Am I correct that I've heard you say many times again that sago palms will um, will do okay in full sun? They may yellow a little bit, but they will ultimately um, do okay in, in a full sun exposure. I'm taking it for the north side of the house, but of course there's a lot of sun for three or four months on the north side of the house. Um, it's not that they may, they will yellow, okay, when they're young. <laughs> Okay. No, no doubt, but we have beautiful sago palms on the north side of our house, and uh, and they do exceedingly well. And once they get some age to them, they won't yellow much. But when they're younger, they'll turn yellow in the summertime, but they'll acclimate to that location and do very well. And, and in your experience, one last question, how big do mule palms get? Well, you know what? I don't have enough experience with them for the long run, and they really haven't been grown in the volume that they are now, uh, you know, for many years. Uh, it started off, it was an exotic, unusual palm, and we'd pay $1,500 for a 15-gallon 25 years ago. But now a lot of people are growing them, and we have them available. And my guesstimate is that they're going to grow to a height, uh, a trunk height, of probably 15 to 20 feet in 20 years. Okay. Okay, great. Well, thanks for your help. Thank you. Bye-bye. Uh, let's see. Next up, we have to get the right order here. we got Jesse in Sun City West. Hi, Jesse. Hey, how are you today? Excellent, sir. Hey, good. Hey, I'm, I'm new to the area. Recently moved here in 2016. I'm trying to get a handle on all the different kind of plants that are growing down here. Jesse, you know what? One I'm going to give you a lot more information, but I'm going to have to take you off the air because we're out of time. i got to say goodbye, but hold on. I'll be right back with you, okay? All right. And Tina and Kathleen, I'll take you as well. Appreciate the calls today, folks, and uh, hope you enjoyed the program. And, uh, boy, we have a lot of to be mindful with in this, uh, in this world today. But, you know, I love the verse in that last song, His welfare is my concern. You know, we have our fellow man having issues all over the planet, and how we work together as a team, whether we're on the baseball team or the football team, they all make a big difference. Not everybody's a pitcher. Not everybody's a catcher. It takes a team to win just like in the Final Four. But uh, how we work as a team around this planet to help our fellow man is going to show who we are, but it's also going to give us great rewards in life. If nothing else, just the feeling of, uh, of being kind to others. We appreciate you listening, and whatever we can do to help our fellow man, they can certainly use it in these times. And we'll be back with you next Sunday with the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show.